This week, Celsius Network gets first day relief. Twitter, Musk trial over merger termination set for October. Reorg analyzes capital structure options for cruise operators. Reorg initiates coverage of radio broadcaster Odyssey. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm David Zubkis. We'll be taking a brief week from our deep dive segment this week, but we'll be back next week with more premium content. It's Friday, July 22nd. On Monday, Judge Martin Glenn granted the Celsius Network debtors requested first day relief. Debtors counsel Pat Nash of Kirkland now stressed that Celsius wanted him to be crystal clear that this is not a liquidation and that the debtors do not intend to force customers to take their recoveries in fiat currency. Instead, Nash said the debtors' goal is to maximize the value of debtors' assets for the benefit of their customers. Nash also stressed the company's desire to work with customer representatives to make it possible for customers to ride out the crypto winter. Nash also discussed what may be a key distinction between customer cryptocurrency assets deposited into the debtor's Earned Rewards program, which he said comprised about 95% of customer deposits, from customer crypto deposits held in custody accounts, which account for about 4% of customer deposits. Nash said that the Earned User Terms transfer title of the earned deposits to the debtors, giving the debtors the right to use, sell, or pledge such assets, making such deposits property to the debtors' estates. The custody account crypto deposits, however, print a more complicated analysis, said Nash, explaining that title remains with the depositors under the custody program, but that there is a legal question as to whether the custody accounts are truly custodial accounts and if such funds are held truly in trust. Separately, on July 13th, prior to Celsius Chapter 11 filing later that day, Celsius customers filed a securities fraud class action suit in New Jersey federal court against certain of the debtor's co-founders, Alex Mashinsky and Shlomi Leon, and recently installed independent directors Alan Carr and David Michael Barce. The class action suit, now stayed against the debtors by virtue of the Chapter 11 automatic stay, alleges that the company's various cryptocurrency financial offerings constitute the unlawful sale of unregistered securities and that the company is engaged in deceptive marketing practices. Debtors did not disclose the suit in their first day papers, prompting questions from Judge Glenn and the U.S. trustee at the Monday, July 18th first day hearing. Debtors' counsel said that he was unaware of any other similar actions against the company and that Celsius has been working with U.S. regulators to respond to their inquiries. Since the Chapter 11 filings, Judge Glenn has received a steady stream of letters from angry Celsius customers. The customers claimed to have been misled by the company and management in particular, complained of the June 12th pause on customer withdrawals, take issue with the company's position that crypto deposits under the rewards program are company property, and ask the court to put a halt to the debtor's loan activity. On Tuesday, Delaware Chancellor Kathleen St. Jude McCormick granted Twitter's motion to expedite its specific performance merger termination suit against Elon Musk and directed the parties to prepare for a five-day trial in October 2022. Chancellor McCormick concluded that the longer the overhang of the potential merger exists, the greater the potential for irreparable harm to Twitter as a public company. On July 12, Twitter sued Musk and two acquisition entities and asked the court to order him to purchase Twitter pursuant to the terms of the merger agreement for $54.20 per share, or about $44 billion. Both sides agreed that the proceedings should be expedited, but they differed on the time frame and time required for trial. Twitter sought a four-day trial in late September, while Musk proposed a 10-day trial in mid-February 2023, two months before Musk's financing commitments expire. Chancellor McCormick elected to hold the trial close to Twitter's proposal, citing the potential harm to the company and typical chancery court scheduling in busted deal cases involving public companies and a specific format remedy. During the hearing, Musk counselor Andrew Rossman of Quinn Emanuel emphasized the complexity of the case and the April 2023 financing drop-dead date. Rossman specifically focused on Musk's assertion that Twitter misrepresented an SC filing that less than 5% of its monetizable daily active users, or MDAU, are bots, spam accounts, spam accounts, or otherwise false accounts. 
According to Rossman, resolving this issue will require reviewing and analyzing billions of transactions on the Twitter platform, which cannot be done in a short time frame. Rossman also accused Twitter of refusing to provide Musk with sufficient data to evaluate the claim of 5% or less MDAU. Instead of providing transparency, Rossman said, Twitter responded to Musk's inquiries with obfuscation, delays, and excuses. Rossman further called allegations that Musk decided not to close the deal due to market conditions rather than MDAU concerns nonsense and labeled the MDAU allegation a serious issue for Musk. Musk relied on Twitter's repeated representations of fewer than 5% MDAU in SEC filings, he said. Twitter counsel William Savitt of Wachtell denied that Twitter made any representation of 5% MDAU to Musk or in its SEC filings, pointing to clear-as-day language in the company's 10K warning that true or false account figure could be higher than 5%. The complex technical discovery Musk says is needed to determine whether whether more than 5% of Twitter's MDAU are bots or spam accounts is emphatically and plainly not before the court in this case, Savitt asserted. Nothing in the merger agreement turns on an issue, Savitt said, and this is a litigating position made up out of a whole cloth by Musk in order to delay trial. Savitt also denied that Twitter had failed to provide information reasonably requested by Musk. In the three months after the agreement, tw- Twitter provided an astounding amount of information to Musk, Savitt said, including a firehose of all data related to every tweet. Musk has run millions of searches on this data, Savitt added. Reorganitiated coverage in Odyssey this week as the radio broadcaster may need to refinance capital structure amid high leverage, a potential looming recession, and a cash flow profile that appears insufficient to meet future debt obligations. The company reported liquidity of $205 million as of March 31st and LTM free cash flow of negative $53 million, but has $700 million of debt due in the second half of 2024. Debt maturing in 2024 includes the company's first lien obligations with junior securities maturing in 2027 and 2029. Concerns about an economic downturn have hurt trading levels of radio broadcasters' debt and equity, and Odyssey's senior secured second lien notes due 2027 and 2029 have plummeted from the mid-90s to 50 over the past few months, while its stock has declined 75% over the same period. The company, formerly known as Entercom, has experienced improving year-over-year EBITDA, but questions remain as to whether the company's financials can return to pre-pandemic levels as advertising revenue in the company's largest markets, a focus of its merger with CBS Radio, has lagged, and the company's largest spot in market, Automotive, is down about 40% from 2019 levels. Competitors Cumulus Media and iHeartMedia filed for bankruptcy in 2017 and 2018, respectively, primarily due to leveraged capital structures and poor capital allocation policies. Odyssey faces similar challenges now with net leverage in the 10 times range after falling well short of EBITDA targets following the CBS radio merger in late 2017 and enduring a slower post-COVID-19 recovery than peers. Additionally, Odyssey has had higher capital spending allocations in recent years than its peers, as well as its own historical levels, and has used cash for strategic acquisitions to expand its digital platform, while traditional broadcast radio faces secular headwinds and a sluggish post-COVID-19 recovery. Although the company expects high growth from its digital initiatives, management acknowledges the lower margins. To access Reorg's in-depth analysis of Odyssey, please reach out to a Reorg representative. In light of the recent sell-off in cruise ship-related debt, this week Reorg published a comparative credit analysis of the three largest companies. The analysis includes a review of the company's liquidity and debt capacity, as well as a relative ranking of debt and cash earnings power. The analysis also reveals a mix of positives and negatives for each company as they approach upcoming maturities and try to navigate through uncertain cash flows driven by reduced demand and higher costs, consisting of fuel, labor, and interest burden. One of the largest variables in the company's debt affecting priority is the treatment of export credit agency-backed debt. Norwegian Cruise Line's ECA debt is secured and issued out of ship-owning entities, whereas Carnival's more than $9 billion of ECA debt is unsecured and might not have guarantees by any significant subsidiary. 
Rearg also analyzed the companies on the basis of earnings power, examining prior peak EBITDA, and adjusting for current fuel prices. To access Rearg's in-depth coverage of cruise industry credit, please reach out to a Rearg representative. Top Red Stories this week included Rearg First Year Mid-Year Review. After six consecutive quarters of falling Chapter 11 filing rates since the second half of 2020, bottoming out in the fourth quarter of 2021, the first half of 2022 shows signs of rebound. U.S. Loan Terms Database, reallocation of unnecessary prepayment capacity can create flexibility that otherwise would not exist. Majority of borrowers not restricted from purchasing junior debt in open market. As market volatility accelerates, judicial ruling approves TPC super priority lien transaction based on four corners rule. Could accelerate exploitation of weak creditor protections and debt docs. Bosch Health unsecured holders working with Paul Weiss ahead of parent trial. May contest Bosch and Loam unsub designation. And now here's Kathy from Los Angeles with the week ahead. Hello, this is Kathy Tong. The week ahead is a busy week of events, so let's get started. On Tuesday, July 26, Johnson & Johnson subsidiary LTL Management will be in court to wrestle with the official committee of tall claimants over the direction of its Texas two-step Chapter 11 case. The debtor has proposed an estimation process for tall related claims, along with an extension of the litigation injunction barring prosecution of such claims against its parent and other non-debtors. The committee, on the other hand, is urging the court to allow a small subset of litigation cases to proceed to trial, which it says will advance the party's negotiations over a consensual plan. The Talon Energy Supply debtors will be in court two times next week. The first hearing on Tuesday, July 26, will be focused on the debtors' request to stay four pending non-bankruptcy suits against non-debtor co-defendants, including their parent, Talon Energy Corporation. The second hearing on Thursday, July 28, will be for approval of the debtors' entry into a backstop agreement with a group of unsecured note holders to backstop $1.3 billion of the debtors' proposed equity rights offering. The offering is designed to range in size from $600 million to $1.65 billion based on exit liquidity needs. The backstop hearing has been twice continued to accommodate Talon Energy Corporation and the King and Spalding Secured Creditors Group's request for more time to evaluate the debtor's business plan underpinning the restructuring support agreement. Returning to Tuesday, July 26, in Ector County Energy Center, litigation claimant Direct Energy Business Marketing will push for standing to prosecute claims against the debtor's indirect parent, Invergy Thermal Operating One LLC, and Credit Suisse in its capacity as administrative agent to avoid a $75 million direct obligation the debtor incurred as fraudulent. The debtor today said the parties are continuing to work on a consensual resolution but have not yet reached an agreement. On Wednesday, July 27th, the Revlon debtors will be in court to obtain final approval of dip financing from Branco and ABL lenders in the form of a $400 million ABL facility and a $575 million term loan facility. The matter is highly contested by the UCC, which has targeted several dip terms. That same day will be the second day hearing in the Scandinavian Airline SAS Chapter 11 cases. Earlier this week, the debtors reached new collective bargaining agreements with their Scandinavian pilots unions, ending 15 days of strike, which removes one source of threat as the debtors negotiate with a number of potential lenders for dip financing of up to $700 million. The second day hearing in First Guarantee Mortgage will proceed on Thursday, July 28th, when the debtors will ask for final approval of two dip facilities, a cash flow dip that includes $22 million in new money and up to $20.4 million in mortgage loan funding amounts, as well as a $125 million repo dip. 
Crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital will also be in court on Thursday, July 28th on a final hearing for Chapter 15 recognition of its liquidation proceeding in the British Virgin Islands. In a supplemental filing earlier this week, the company's foreign representative provided more information on its liquidation proceedings, including that the BVI joint liquidators have gained control over assets in excess of $40 million. Earnings season is kicking off with several companies reporting results next week. We will see results on Wednesday, July 27th from Teva Pharmaceuticals and on Thursday, July 28th from PBF Logistics, U.S. Steel, Hertz, Peabody Energy, and Weatherford International. For all earnings dates and times, please see our weekly calendar. That's it for me on this Friday, July 22nd from Los Angeles. Now back to you in New York. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the Reorg.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday.